This is an IFTA screen discussion. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the IFTA screen discussion series, putting focus on each of the feature films submitted for this year's IFTA awards. Each week, we're putting a spotlight on the variety of diverse feature projects representing the best of Irish filmmaking this year. And today, I'm delighted to be joined by the filmmakers and star of the Irish horror comedy, Let the Wrong One In. So I'm joined today by writer-director Conor McMahon, producer Trisha Flood, and actor Owen Duffy. So welcome, guys. Um, lovely to have you here. So I'll start off uh, with with sort of Connor and Trisha, who, who are responsible for this film. Uh, the way it uses Dublin and the way it uses a variety of Dublin locations in the in sort of the spookiest, uh, most sort of gothic way imaginable, and really presents this this kind of incredible gothic vampiric view of Dublin is is really great. So could you kind of tell me how you came about using these locations and how difficult it was to shoot on location around Dublin? Um, well, I guess some of the locations, you know, the, one of them was the Bram Stoker Museum, you know, which was in Clontarf, you know, and that, and that just seemed pretty fitting for, you know, because I hadn't initially written it like that. It was originally just a random nightclub. And then um, when I went to have a look at that place, it was like, oh, well, I mean, it has to be here. It's like already like upped our production value. We don't have to make all this stuff, you know, it's already there. But, but it was also it was something nice about the fact that it had this link to Bram Stoker and we were in Clontarf and, you know, so I think that was, that was nice, you know. And then, I mean, some of the locations were probably out of convenience, right, where they, it's like, we shoot here, so we yeah. shoot in this general area, you know. Yeah, we kind of were, we were restricted in, in logistical terms because we actually shot during COVID. Um, uh, we actually started in level two and we're, by the time we finished, the whole country was in level five. So it, it, it was a little bit of how close can we keep people together? How less do we have to travel? You know, we had some big days where we traveled out, outside of our bubble. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, for the most part, we kind of, convenience was, was uh, optimal for us, given where we were shooting in terms of like uh, the world at the, at the time. <laughs> Yeah, because the exterior of the vampire, you know, kind of place was like, you know, five doors down from the house we were filming. And so it was like, let's go over there, you know. And when you're when you're yeah. shooting and in that, somewhere like that. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and we, you know, you keep things around. Anyone who's looking very, very closely can see things. But, you know, international audiences, you know, they don't know. <laughs> you get away with it a lot in the movie movie magic world. And when you're when you're shooting in places like the Bram Stoker Museum, um, does it create more of a, an atmosphere on set of like, oh, there's there's possibly a supernatural elements afoot, or, or do you do you find it creates a, a better sort of uh, re realistic vibe for the vampire action you're shooting? God, I mean, it was weird during COVID, you know, because everyone had masks and you know, and it 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 was a whole different vibe entirely, you know. I mean, it was almost like you didn't even get to have those chats with people. Um, you know, it was like, just let's shoot the, the scene. And, and, and you know, even with that vampire club, like we had to, um, you know, cause we were only allowed 15 people, I think. I wanted a big vampire party. So we had to even green screen people and stick them in and stuff afterwards. So yeah, um, yeah there was, uh, there was, there was a less- It was kind of, yeah, it was unfortunate sometimes with the schedule cause uh, if certain things were scheduled towards the end of the film, the vampire club being one of them. And as as we were moving along, the levels were getting higher and higher, and the restrictions were getting more imposing on us. 
So by the time Connor got to his big nightclub scene, <laughs> I think, yeah, we were restricted in terms of numbers. Um, but also because the venue, you know, everyone was, uh, they, everyone had their own sort of guidelines as well. So you weren't just, you know, uh, doing the government guidelines, you were doing everybody's individual guidelines and you were trying to keep everybody obviously safe and happy. And, and yeah, so it was, it was kind of a mammoth sort of juggle around. But Connor's great. Connor's very adaptable. And, you know, even the whole, you know, during the, because we actually, we started shooting in March, got shut down and got back up running again. So, you know, we were sort of at that point, we were all just happy to be shooting. Yeah, yeah. The supernatural was the least of our worries at that stage. <laughs> Now the I think yes, COVID restrictions are are more frightening than anything that's in your in your film. Um, did you ever have to rewrite any scenes based on those restrictions getting worse, or was it more so just fixing things as you went along in production? Um, yeah, I mean there was a bit of rewriting. Like um, I mean some of it was just because we had more time, and you know it was just can we improve this? Um, there was probably a couple of things I had to rewrite. You know I think there was a night shoot. That I that, that I, I I couldn't get, so I had to you know rework around that and do and sort of rework that as daytime or something. So there was there was um yeah there was a couple of things, but but not majorly to be honest. I mean we we kind of sort of stuck to our guns really, and and it was yeah it was just a yeah we pretty much got what we'd planned. Sure. I think. Yeah, certain things we just have to be more mindful of and more so prepare for, you know, obviously it's a vampire film in the middle of a pandemic and people are biting each other's necks and stuff like that. So you just have to be very mindful of preparing in advance for those things. So in a, in normal circumstances, you wouldn't think twice about that. It'd just be another day on the schedule. But for us, it was like two, three days before, you know, Owen was tested, everyone was tested, everyone was negative, you know, like it was all that kind of stuff um, of making sure that like, in fairness to all our supporting cast, they all had to come in like the day before, two days before, you know, to be tested and all of that kind of stuff. So it was like more of a logistical thing to be thinking about more so than we were still trying our best to shoot the script, but just making it as feasible as possible. So over to you, Owen, you're sort of playing the character who kind of sets the whole tone of the film, like this, this big, crazy sort of uh, vampire. Yeah. He's sort of infected at the start and then he kind of goes berserk. Did you sort of find you had to go through your usual sort of acting process with this character? And was there a balance between sort of like serious acting method and just sort of going, letting yourself go crazy as this kind of unhinged vampire character? Um, well, to be honest, like in terms of kind of preparing for it, um, like going crazy was kind of like a kind of, that's a bit of crack for me. So, so for me, what, what actually made it a lot easier was that Connor was allowing us to go and do our thing and then trying to adapt to that. Um, so uh, I think Trish said, Trish said there we we were meant to shoot in March and got pushed. How, how long was it? Six months or something? Yeah, I thought, yeah. yeah till October. Uh, so we, we had already done um, rehearsals up until March and then had another six months where we had locations as well already. So then we could rehearse at the location. So a lot of the prep that I would have done leading up to March. I, I got to do an extra six months that was in the location with the director, with the other actor, and we were able to kind of grow the story and character and all. So it just made it, by the time we got to set, it just was so fluid. Like the flow to it was great. And then we were able to improv a lot in the rehearsals and Connor, again, was, wasn't too precious with the script or he could rewrite it to kind of match what we had found, the funny parts you find. And you never get that on films. So, um, 
did I have to do extra prep? It was kind of all within that six months, to be honest. So it was a bit of a blessing in disguise for, in terms for me. Anyway, I don't know about you, but uh, definitely for me and Carl, like it made it a lot more easier to, to be on set and just enjoy it. Yeah, go crazy and enjoy it. Great. Uh, Connor, when you were sort of back to when you were sort of writing the film and originally conceiving it, of it, like where, what was the original origin of the premise, I guess? Did, did the Dublin element come first or the vampire element or what What was you, yeah. what were you setting out to do? Like the very first element was the idea of a Dublin vampire. And that just made me laugh, you know, and I remember even just, you know, you just throw out random lines like, oh, that would be funny for a vamp Dublin vampire to say. So that character was kind of exist in my head for a while but I didn't really know what the story might take or, or or that kind of thing and then I kind of it just clicked on me one night the idea of of him being stuck in a house for the day and a kind of a daytime vampire movie I guess because I, I suppose I hadn't really seen that um and then yeah so I think they were the two elements once I kind of got that idea that it was a guy trying to sort of get into a house and be stuck in a house um, it almost just flowed like I wrote it in about two weeks, you know, certainly the very first sort of version of it, um, which was a bit different. It wasn't originally two brothers. It was two friends. Um, and that was, you know, and that was even back like when we, we did a promo with with Owen. This was like five years ago or something. And, uh, you know, it was in that process. We actually found Carl and decided that they'd be brothers. And, and that kind of came out of that. So we're joined as well now by by star of the film, Carl Rice. Um, so question for kind of either of you, Carl or Owen, you're, you're playing brothers in this film and you you feel very familiar throughout the film um, and it, you're very, you know, convincing as, as a pair of brothers. Did you know each other before you started shooting? Um, I'll take this one, Carl. You keep your eyes on the road, right? <laughs> um, no, we didn't. We didn't know each other before the film. Um, <clears throat> I think Connor mentioned as well that I got cast kind of early and then it was because it was supposed to be two friends. We were, we were auditioning people kind of my age at the time and, and for whatever reason, yeah, for, for Connor, at least it didn't, it didn't flow and he wasn't finding what he wanted to. And then Carl came in kind of last minute Um, the DOP, Michael Lavelle, he, he knew Carl from, from previous work and he brought him in. And I think Connor, you've told this story where he, he actually was like, he's way too young, but I don't want to just, bring him in and send him home. He's after making his way out here. So we'll bring him in anyway, just to be nice kind of thing. But yeah, just when we started, it just kind of worked. And um, yeah, we didn't know each other, but for some reason, I think the dynamic worked on on the, um, in the audition, sorry. But then we had all the rehearsal time. We got to know each other over that time. So that's what I was saying that by the time we got to, got to this set, it just, the, we had improv for nearly a year at that stage, you know, yeah. and we had done the promo and got to know each other a little bit. Um, so yeah, by the time you get to set, we we were we were lucky that you got that time because usually you don't. And uh, yeah, it just felt it felt very easy. Carl Carl was very difficult and he's a bit of a diva, but other than that, um, no, that's not true. <laughs> no, it helps. All that rehearsal time helped, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, Carl, how did you find the, the process of developing this character with, with Connor? Uh, it was actually, it was grand because it felt like Matt and Deco were brothers. Like, I know they are, but when they told us like the background of both characters, we were like, yeah, it fits so well. So, um, and then like Owen said, when we were doing the rehearsals, we kind of just 
gradually fell into the character more and got to understand more about them. And we even progressed the storyline a bit more ourselves. And we'd be pitching things to Connor, and Connor would be on board with us. So it was actually handy enough. But um, yeah, as Owen said, like just as we were doing the rehearsals, it got the both of us to know each other so well to the point where we actually felt like brothers. I would say. And yeah, the characters just kind of fell into place then. Great. Um, back to you, Connor. I feel like the most sort of maybe the most iconic image in the film is when is when Carl's card uses the hurl um, as a weapon, and I, it felt to me like oh, that was probably an image you had in mind from the very beginning of developing the film. Were there a few moments like that that were very important for you to include? Yeah, I mean, it's an image I've had in almost every film I've made. The hurl gets pulled out at some stage. Um, back to it's like Connor. Yeah, it was like back back in like 2001, my college graduate film at a Hurley stick, you know, and so, yeah, it's something I always tried to put in, but it kind of made sense to me as well, because it's a, a wood, you know, and it's that's what you stab a vampire with. So, so with this one, it seemed, you know, totally fitting. And then also uh, to try and build on the sequence a bit more, like even, you know, that using the heart as a slitter and knocking it out the window. Um, it was too tempting not to do, you know. Um, Great. The I feel like the special effects throughout the film, like with all the the vampire like fighting and the blood and everything, is like so. Uh, you get such great production value out of it. Like especially in the sort of Dublin setting, it it, it becomes very very convincing. Was did you have to like look hard to find people who were going to be able to do a really impressive job with that, or had you worked with them before? God, it was it was tricky, wasn't sure. it, Trish? Because like there was nobody available. Like at the start, it was like the foundation or something had sucked up every model maker in the country, and we were like, "We're doing a vampire film, and we can't find anybody." You know, so then it was sort of a mixture. It was broken out into different people. You know. Yeah, it was probably one of the benefits of of the pandemic was we were one of the first productions back, like us and maybe two other things. So we actually, by the end of coming back around, we kind of had our pick of people and people were just excited to go back to work. But uh, Madonna uh, did most of the the sort of makeup and prosthetics. Uh, effects effects. On, on sort of prosthetics, yeah. Um, did she do the heart, Connor? She did. She made the heart, the heart yeah. And yeah. she even made the yeah. heart where you see inside the body, you know, and she made a kind mm -hmm. of a, she had to paint a kind of a, a sort of a background uh, like it was like three, three layers yeah. of things that that she created like so you know, that was really <clears> yeah cool. she's incredibly talented but also i think was you know relished opportunity to do something like this so we had madonna on quite early it was sort of the more uh practical sfx that we sort of yeah everybody else was gone but you know the blood spatter all that kind of stuff uh, the stuff in the taxi um the, you know the, the tubing the wire work all that kind of stuff we had to uh, find kind of later on but uh, yeah it was it was sort of we had we had model makers kind of throughout the country working on various different bits of pieces of what they could do depending on where they are and what supplies they could get and stuff like that so it yeah. was kind of a, a team effort yeah and the, and the guys that would spray the blood they were great they were like when i saw those guys arriving every, uh, you know it was like <laughs> that was your great. favorite part of the day <laughs> yeah yeah but they'd be really like you know they you, you know be like uh, you know you'd have these chats about exactly the kind of what type of blood and the consistency and you, you'd see them going off and uh, and then they'd make a, a you know just the right nozzle you know to give you the right spray of blood and stuff so 
it was you know even that is collaborative you know even in case you can't tell connor connor's a big fan of blood <laughs> the especially right when it's spraying right. especially when it's spraying in carl's face yeah yeah, yeah it was my worst part of the day when i was seeing them two lads come in <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I remember how excited you were the very first time when we shot the promo. You were like, yeah. oh, I can't wait to get sprayed in blood. And that enthusiasm <laughs> faded pretty quick. And you were just so <laughs> for a whole day. Does it get you more as actors in the in the mood when there's so many practical effects happening on set and there's blood everywhere? Do you do you start to believe you're in this this vampire story for a few minutes? Yeah, I suppose yeah. you do. Like, as as in, and yeah. for me, I wasn't covered as much as Carl, so I, I, I completely understand how his like enthusiasm kind of dwindled as the time went on because he was just covered in blood. And <laughs> Carl, you can probably take over here. Like, the blood is sticky, you know. So you're just yeah. I used to have to scrub myself for about twenty minutes in the shower every day. <laughs> but like, even when we were filming those scenes, you just get this big huge splatter, and then it's like you've got a big boost of energy to just roll with the scene. Then yeah. so it definitely helps. I think. It does help you kind of um like you're you're never gonna be in your head when that's happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? When that yeah. comes, it does get you just the energy instantly lifts up to continue the yeah, scene. Definitely. And uh yeah, I suppose I never looked at it that way actually, but you're right. When that when the blood was kind of splattered, you would get a bit of a like, oh fuck, and then start going into it and give give into the scene, you know. Uh, could you talk me through Connor and Trisha, I guess, how the flying sequence at the end was done? Because it was really, really well done, and the and the sort of Dublin skyline was was very realistically sort of set in the background. And I, 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 I kind of wondering how you went about shooting that, and if there was any wire work involved or anything more more complex like that. Yeah, so this is where he's carrying him as a bat, flying him. Yeah, yeah. I guess that was a mixture of you know green screen shots with the two guy with uh, you know. Carl hanging on a wire, <laughs> spinning around, um, and then Owen, like we filmed Owen beside him, but on a green screen, you know, so that the 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 faces would match, you know, or, or the timings would match, um, and then it was like, I mean, that was some. We had a practical bat as well, like that was we ordered for like twenty five euros. It had little wings that you know, uh, you know, it's always good when one an animatronic one, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when one and we I think did we have two or I remember we ordered a few because we were afraid they'd break or something yeah we got a couple from either yeah but it was like yeah it was that element and then it was just like because there were a few ways of how are we exactly going to do this we always knew it had to be a little bit silly you, you know um and then yeah just I guess we just shrinked Owen's head and stuck him on the fake plastic bath <laughs> and then stuck yeah. that to Carl you know but that was always a running joke. I think Connor, I think you and I discussed this before with the bat, is that the whole thing with Deco is that he's not the perfect vampire. He can't do everything that they're all doing. So the big head on the on the small bat and the kind of lopsided head, we thought would be really funny that even, even though he eventually does transition, he can't actually do it properly. He's still kind of a bit defunct. Um, so it actually worked well then when when in terms of trying to do because if we tried to do it perfectly in terms of the effects and we wouldn't have had the money and the resources and everything so you have to lean into the comedy in those moments and then I remember Connor and I just thinking wouldn't it be really funny if he was like you know <laughs> trying to fly with this like heavy head because um, it doesn't quite work for him and uh, yeah it just works really well then and then obviously all of the stuff is is drone footage of um, 
yeah, another beautiful <laughs> pandemic-related uh, event was the empty streets in Dublin and, and being able to get probably access to, with Dublin City Council being very, um, you know, supportive with the film and stuff, but giving us access to, you know, go across the Liffey and stuff like that, which maybe we wouldn't have got if we were, you know, back in normal times like today. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember even the opening as well in, you know, Transylvania, that Dublin castle, but it was just like empty, you know, so it was like yeah. we didn't have to stop traffic or anything. It was just there was no, nobody was out. It kind of adds to the it definitely adds to the sort of horror spooky vibes at the start of the film. The fact that the streets are so empty, like you can tell, I feel like a couple of films that I've seen that were shot during COVID have been able to take advantage of that sort of eerie, empty city thing that that sort of filmmakers were striving for for years. And they finally got it with COVID. It was sort of a, a, an unfortunate yeah. second advantage we got. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so the other sort of star of the film, along with with Owen and Carl, is, is Anthony Stewart Head, who's obviously a sort of an icon of vampire media, having starred in, in Buffy um how was it getting him convincing him to star in the film and then what was he like to work with did he bring a lot of his experience to the set yeah I mean I yeah yeah he was like from the start just very enthusiastic and you know he really liked the script um so I just you know I had one conversation with him beforehand you know you have to make that phone call and it's like is he gonna say yes whatever you say to him you know it's like don't mention Buffy don't mention Buffy <laughs> but actually he loved talking about Buffy you know he was you know he was very proud of that and so yeah like like I really enjoyed that experience I mean um I don't know what how the lads found it I think as well he was was he a bit of a mentor? Did he, uh, you know? <laughs> he was like one of the lads, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. He was great, crack. And I think me and Carl spoke about it before, like, or even when we were there, it was like, he just seemed like a big kid, you know, like when he came <laughs> on set. And, and again, you don't know how that's going to go, you know, like we're two kind of, two young lads and well I'm, I'm the, oh, you're young we're two young lads in the start of our careers and we're we're hyped up for this you know and we've been waiting for so long that like you just don't know someone who's been in the business for years and someone who's coming in during a pandemic and they could walk in and just be kind of very key to themselves and he was just the opposite like he came in and he was like okay what we do here and and he was just again like a big kid like he was just cracking jokes he was well up for the improv like connor let us all kind of bounce off each other and we, we'd say mad stuff to him you know and he'd just come back with something and give it back yeah yeah, yeah. and it was just it was just great and again it was just such, such a pleasant surprise where not surprised but you really just don't know what to expect and he just yeah he he just made it a great experience. it was also as well like he really cared about it being as good as yeah. possible like sometimes a stunt man might be doing a thing and he'd watch it and if he thought he could do it, you know, he'd step in and, and say, oh, no, it'll be better if I do it. Once he kind of yeah. saw what we were trying to do or, you know, I might be trying to do a shot just for safety and it mightn't be as good. And he'd go, no, no, let me I put me in the chair and pull me out the door. You know, I'll be fine. You know, so that was nice as well, just to see that, you know, he'd be watching the monitor. And if he thought you could improve something, you know, he'd kind of say it, you know. Yeah, it was great. And we actually had to shoot, like, obviously, back to the movie magic part we had to shoot Anthony's stuff together like so when when back in the early prep part of the when it became apparent that it could be Anthony you know that's kind of one of the reasons he's out in the shed <laughs> you know like because we knew that that character was going to be uh, our name or or you know our kind of person so you know it was structured that way that Connor had cleverly you know put it in the script that we could 
put them in the shed and you know we could be be doing things in the house because uh we shot them for about five days so all of anthony's stuff and it's credit to the guys because you know there's parts of it where anthony's there and then there's parts where Carla's talking to an empty chair and stuff like that in the, in different days so so they really did like a really good job but he was he was brilliant he was up for everything and like you know it was in like i said it was in the middle of the pandemic and it was the first thing he'd done since like coming back and he just seemed really keen to get back to work and you know like throw himself into it and yeah he was really great were there any specific uh, Dublinisms or anything sort of uh, anything specifically Irish in the film that he he had to be had explained to him or didn't couldn't get his head around? Connor, wasn't it his idea to have the accent at the beginning? Yeah, yeah, he wanted to try a little bit of an Irish accent when he came in as a disguise, <laughs> you know. So, uh, but also there yeah, was that wasn't like, what I was just gonna say. It wasn't written that way. It was written as a English. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't written. That, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Then there was debates over idiot and Egypt, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, he kind of, but again, he kind of wanted to say Egypt. He's like, I want to say <laughs> Egypt. We're like, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, he was great. But he was great as well, even just like that. I think of it now, like because he was mad into trains and stuff, the character, like he did his own research on that and, and, and rang up friends that were into trains and he'd come back with these sort of, you know, phrases or even just the names of the different, uh, train organizations you know which was cool like you know he was off doing his own research and bringing it back and you know i think that all helped was there anything that owen and carl brought to the film in terms of their own <laughs> research or any of their own personalities uh, that sort of came onto set <laughs> <laughs> uh, for, for, me, for me in the garlic chips i really had to rehearse eating just getting food into me so i just done a whole lot of eating on set prepared yes That's very did. true that's very true. Very That's true. where half the budget went. <laughs> Sweets for Carl. Yeah. Uh, final question for you, Connor. You've done uh, your killer clown movie. You've done your sort of vampire comedy. So what's the next sort of uh, area of, of horror lore, I guess, that you want to tackle? Gosh, um, well... I do want to step back into the slasher genre, you know, it is a, it is a genre I really like, and it's one I don't see a lot of, you know, um, but, uh, and lots of potential for blood spraying in people's faces, you know, um, but I think that, I mean, obviously the, the, the Irish folk horror is also an area that I, I'd like to do something. I mean, it's something I've been trying for years, you know, for like, you know various ideas and stuff. So it's just finding the right one that clicks because, I mean, it is something we grow up with in Ireland. And um, I mean, again, even going back to college, like I remember making little horrors about the Banshee and stuff. And again, you probably our generation remembers our parents talking to us about that stuff like it's real, you know. Um, like my mom would still talk about hearing the Banshee the night before her mother died sort of stuff. So th that kind of stuff is just in there somewhere, you know, um, or a ghost story. I've realized I've never done I've, I've never done a ghost story. So, I mean, that's what I love about horror. It's just like the potential is endless for the for where to go, you know. But usually if you do, if I do a comedy, my, my inkling is to kind of do a slightly more maybe a uh, suspenseful one next or but but you just never know whoever whoever gives you the money that's that's the one you do next let's be honest <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 
Brilliant. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, uh, for joining me uh, to talk about Let the Wrong One In, which is in consideration at the 2023 IFTA Awards. Uh, it's been great hearing from you all, and uh, people, I hope, will, will check out the film. Uh, and thanks so much for joining me. See you Cheers. Later. Thanks for having Thank us. You. Bye. Thank you. Sorry for being late. <laughs> <laughs>